Hello, this is Coach Aaron Saft on the Running is Life podcast, episode 201. Kind of hard to believe that I'm over 200 episodes into this podcast and still really enjoying it, having a great time, meeting new folks, having new guests, talking about new topics. Um, it's it's awesome to, to still feel um, inspired to, to do this podcast, to have fun, to talk with all these guests. And today is no different. I've got two of my coaching colleagues in Faith Raymond and Gordon Collins. Uh, I met these two at the Uesca Coaching Conference out in Colorado Springs this past fall. And today we're just going to talk about finding a coach and what that might look like. Um, Each of us has some different ideas to bring to the table, but hopefully all of them will give you a good idea of what to look for when you're looking for a coach. Because it's probably that time of year. So um, I hope this kind of gives you some some things to think about in your search for a coach if you so happen to be looking for one or if uh you know you're you're googling and this pops up and you know perhaps gives you some ideas as to how to find a coach so um I appreciate the two of them coming on for their time and sharing them what they have and uh they're both um open for for coaching clients uh so you know don't hesitate to reach out to them their contacts are in the show notes as are mine um, my docket is getting pretty full. <laughs> um, I am fortunate enough to have a lot of athletes right now. Uh, but if it is a conversation you want to have, um, you know, I, um, I certainly can have that conversation with you. And, um, if I do have space, cause spaces do open up when I least expect them to, cause that's just the way life is. I'm happy to have that conversation and, and see if we're a good fit and bring you on board. So if this does um, invoke or provoke questions for you, don't hesitate to reach out to one of us or all of us. We certainly appreciate it. And uh, with that, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Faith Raymond and Gordon Collins. All right, guys, I've got some some awesome coaches with me here today. Um, and uh, why don't you guys start by introducing yourselves and uh, and tell us a little bit about your uh, your your running and your coaching and even your personal life if you so feel inclined. Um, Faith, you want to start us off? Why not? <laughs> I love being first, being <laughs> chosen first. Um, so my name is Faith. Um, I am an ultra running coach and ultra runner myself. I live here in the great state of Vermont, uh, where we're getting a lot of rain instead of snow right now, which is kind of odd, but um, that's that's the way it is. Um so I, I don't even remember when I started running, to be honest with you, it's kind of all melded together now. And of course, as you get older, things mm-hmm. fall into the recesses of the aged brain. So you just don't remember, you know, timelines anymore. Uh, I think I've been running ultras for, I don't know, probably eight or 10 years now. Um, and, you know, I started later in life and that's kind of what drove me to be a coach is, I realized that there was an empty space for, especially for like masters women um, in the coaching industry and, and with athletes getting that type of support, because it's a little bit different than our younger counterparts need. So that's kind of how I get into coaching. That's the majority of my athletes are either peri or postmenopausal women. I do have one token male on the team, we say that he has a harem <laughs> of, of female athletes um, and he loves it. So, yeah. Um, and I do have a couple of younger, younger runners um, as well, but the majority of them are, are older 
Um, and it's what I love to do. It's what I do as a full-time job. I'm also a part of USGA, um, working with the admin, you know, behind the scenes with that. Um, but that's what I do and I love it. Um, and for those that don't know USGA, can you just briefly explain what that is? United Endurance Sports Coaching Academy. They are the gold standard in coaching certification. They have the only ultra running certification out there. We are constantly adding to our repertoire of availability, you know, the different certifications that are available. And I am their director of coach development. So I help coaches with whatever they need, whether it's starting their business, uh, they're having a problem with an athlete or they don't know how to program something, they can always reach out to me. Thank you. Awesome. Um, great. And then uh, just to add on, Faith was also recently on the podcast. So if her voice sounds familiar, <laughs> you can hop back on on her episode. I'll put that link in the show notes for her episode. Uh, we talked about the menstrual cycle and menopause. So um, Faith, Faith, welcome back. Um, also welcoming for the first time, um, coach Gordon Collins and, uh, Gordon comes to us from, um, the great, uh, rainy North as well. Uh, we're recording this on December 19th as a, a touch point there. So everybody understands where we're coming from when we talk about the rains. Um, so, uh, I know Gordon, you've been under some, some stress lately with the, the rains yourself, but thank you for being on here. Uh, thank you for having me on. Thank you for faith for inviting me as well. Um, yeah, we've been pretty rainy here. I think we're on about hour 27 or 28. I'm running on my generator right now. And I'm, I live on a hill. I'm very lucky. Uh, they're still evacuating areas of the community where, where water is still kind of creeping up. Um, we, we haven't seen the worst of it yet. So definitely keep, uh, Lewiston, especially Lewiston has not had a very good few months. Um, keep us in your prayers for sure. Um, so again, thank you for having me on. Um, I like faith got running late in life. Um, I just kind of ran smaller 5Ks and um, 10Ks a few times, started to lose joy in it just because it became monotonous, met up with a local run club, learned about these big long races that they do, um, signed up for one. My first ultra was a 100 miler. I dove right in, went from a 25K to a 100 miler, <laughs> um, did very well in it, um, and since have had success all over the country, running hundreds, I've won a few of them. Um, I really enjoy the distance. I love the mental strategy. I love the mental stress. I love the the psychological factor of it. Um, and I, having had about a quarter century of management experience in different disciplines, um, not specifically running, but production, um, business management degree, and, and otherwise, um, I really realized that there's a there's a lot about the physiological effects or physiological. Um, gains from running and, and how to do that. They write libraries on that, but there's not a ton on the psychological aspect of it. Um, so I dove into coaching, hopefully to teach young ultra runners how to um, how to push themselves mentally in these races, which as, as you guys know, and obviously looking at your tremendous year, um, the psychological impact can be the deciding factor. Sometimes it's, it's not the body failing, it's the mind. Um, so that's what brings me here today. Fantastic. That's awesome. Um, what's your favorite hundred so far? Ooh, tough call. Um, we have the Riverlands 100 here in Maine. It's our only hundred. Um, I've finished it twice. I've won it once. Um, that's a really good one for me. Uh, I've run so many great races. I ran the hundred mile wilderness on the Appalachian trail, um, uh, without support. Um, I finished it. I didn't get the FKT. I came very close, but, um, 
that was a whole different level of it. I just, I love the distance. I love starting a race in one day, knowing you're more than likely not going to finish it that same day. <laughs> I think that is such an amazing experience. So. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, well, you know, again, we're, we're talking about finding a coach um, and, you know, in that it's a process, right. And, and finding a coach and finding the right one. Um, sometimes people have an idea of what they're looking for. Um, but when we begin uh, looking for a coach, what do you guys think are some of the steps that folks should take uh, perhaps in, in finding a coach? Uh, do you want to start us off, Gordon? Yeah. I mean, I think when, when people start looking for a coach and, I mean, coming from a management background, I think of all the different people in our lives that coach us on a daily basis. I mean, again, you're, you're a father, you're a coach, you're an athlete, um, all the different things in your life that you recognize what can happen if you don't have the right people in your life mentoring you, right? Um, so you try to surround yourself with people that share your goals, right? And I think that's the first thing you have to look at when you look for a coach is, what am I trying to do here? Um, I... I honestly believe that that's probably the biggest thing you have to know what you're chasing. If you're, if you're going to buy anything, any product, you should probably find what it is that you really want. When you shop for a car, you'll go through all the trims and, and features and, and you wouldn't buy a sports car if you lived in snow country, right? So um, you really have to look at what you need and that's probably the best way to start off. Right on. And Faith, what do you have to add there? So first I'm going to say, I apologize now if you guys hear the cat in the background. I keep <laughs> muting because he wants to be a part of the conversation, <laughs> but you may hear him chime in and I apologize for that. Um, so to capitalize on what Gordon said, um, there's a lot of moving parts to this, right? There's a lot of things that you need to consider when you, you're starting your search for a coach. And I actually came across this very situation in a Facebook group the other day where someone um, was asking specifically, well, I'm, I'm signed up for this race. I would, you know, I'm looking for a coach who has experience on the course and who knows the race. And I've interviewed a couple of coaches and one I really resonated with. We got along great. I felt like that, you know, that connection, like, like we would make a good team, but they've never done the race. And then I've interviewed another coach who's done the race and has experience on the course, but I didn't get that, you know, same feel. And my advice to this athlete was to go with coach A. I think regardless of whether that coach has experience on the course or even at that distance, right? The In my opinion, the most important thing is how you mesh with the coach personality wise, philosophy wise, um, you know, all, all of those things are way more important than whether the coach has experienced at that race, or like I said, even at that distance, you know, the, the, the great coach, Joe V Hill, if you guys don't know who he is, look him up. He's coached many Olympic athletes has never run a race in his life. Never. He was actually a football coach <laughs> who took over, you know, the high school track team because they didn't have a coach and they were going to shut down the program. So he felt bad for these kids and took them under his wing. 
and he turned them into a powerhouse. So I think at the end of the day, it's way more important, like I said, to feel that connection than to look for someone who like has those specifics, um, either the distance or, or the, the course or, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's of, of little importance to be honest. Yeah. And, you know, like along that line too, the style of, of their coaching, right? Like, are they a drill sergeant or are they a cheerleader? Are they in between? Like, and what style do you work best with? Do you work best with positive reinforcement or somebody that's really making sure and holding you accountable by making sure that you're, you're out there day in and day out, you know, so ask them their style. And if that is cohesive with you and what you do, that's, that's a big piece too. Um, Gordon, you had something to add? Yeah, I mean, learning style, I was going to jump into that next. I mean, learning style is very important. If you don't understand how you learn, mm-hmm. you can make a bad choice very quickly. Um, and, and to add to Faith's point, you're, especially with ultra running training, right, where this could be many, many months or a year of close uh, contact with this coach, you're trusting someone with your body and your goals and your dreams and your time, which is also very valuable. Um, if you don't feel that connection, you don't have that connection or feel like you're moving forward with it, all of their qualifications go right out the window, right? Um, so it's very important to try to develop that as early as possible. Absolutely. And if you've never had a coach in the past, then you're going to have to rely on previous experiences of what did you work well with in the past so far as perhaps a supervisor or a boss? When were you the most effective and how did they um, how did they work with you in what way, what made, what motivated you and what kept you moving? So, you know, if, if you haven't had a coach, that's okay. Just think about if your, your previous experiences and how that went with people that, you know, managed you, um, and managed what you did. Um, how were your parents and how did you react to them? <laughs> you know, uh, I can think of a few coaches that I've had in the past that, uh, you know, their coaching styles didn't necessarily meet my expectations. And I should have learned that up front. Um, by asking, Hey, like, how do you measure metrics? What are you looking at when, you know, when I work out to tell me that was a good workout? Cause there were some that had no metrics to go off and they were just telling me, I, you know, I did the greatest workout ever, but they had nothing to go by. And so, you know, I kind of felt like I wasn't getting the feedback that I wanted because they had nothing to give me feedback on. So, you know, those are important questions to ask too, you know, how, especially if it matters to you, like it matters to me, I'm a numbers guy. So, you know, I want to make sure that if somebody's coaching me, they have that capability of looking at my metrics and telling me, okay, yeah, you know, heart rate looked really good here, or you're too high or too low, or you're not recovering enough. You know, those are, that's important things to me. So, you know, think about these little things uh, that, you know, make a difference to you because it can make a difference in your training and the outcome of your, your, your race. So <clears throat> anything else there, guys? All good. I think that's good. I think we yeah. move on to that. Yeah, no. yeah, sure. Okay. Um, so we prepared about 10 questions here to go over. So we'll just kind of keep going here. Uh, what are questions runners should ask about themselves so they know what they're looking for in a coach that'll make them better match with their personalities and philosophy? We started to touch on this, and Gordon, you started to to really touch on this. Um, do you want to go a little deeper on that? Yeah, I mean, again, in my management experience, one of, I mean, now the difference between business management and athlete management, of course, is I don't normally have to chase people that I work with. Ordinarily, something happens to business, they're, they're brought to me from a different department or they're hired. Um, sometimes I do the recruiting, but, but I often don't have to chase the people. But in the end, you do have to learn someone's learning style. 
you have to find out how to connect with them. Um, and that is, is very, very important. Um, it helps if a runner knows that and some don't. Uh, for instance, like you were just talking about, you're very data-driven. Um, that's very important um, for some people. It's, it's important in training in general, but some people just don't respond to numbers. They simply don't. Um, I've worked with athletes that are very emotionally driven. You have to find a way to make that emotional connection. Um, or maybe they're just goal-driven. Um, I've worked with runners that want to run a race that I've done very well at. And that's why they come calling on me, right? Um, so you have to find out what the runner, what the athlete, um, what their learning style is. How do you connect with them? You could be the smartest person in the world. And if you can't relate to them, uh, it's not going to work. So again, that's the runner. What the runner should be asking is, how can you deliver that information to me? Um, we, we talk about, like I use a lot of um, feedback forms with my runners. I let them tell me the information and then walk them through that on the training runs. Um, I know Faith is very driven on, on training peaks, which is a fantastic tool. Um, that's also a great, um, I don't know what you use with your runners specifically. Um, yeah. yeah, but you, that, that's also either the communication piece there and the learning style and just, just finding that is very important. Um, so that's, yeah, just to elaborate on that. Right on. Faith, what you got? So I think one of the things I find, um, and it's not only when I speak to per prospective athletes, but even after they come aboard, sometimes their goals change. Um, and that's okay. But I think in order to be the best athlete you can be, and in order to make a, a good coach athlete relationship work, you kind of have to get a little more focused on what you want to do. Um, whether it's, you know, I'm going to PR a half marathon, or I'm going to do this hundred miler and, and build up to it. So I'm going to do a couple of 50 Ks, you know, in there and do this hundred miler, um, or you're going to set up a specific challenge for yourself that you want to do. Maybe it's not even races. Maybe it's, you know, you want to do an FKT or you want to do um, a, a combination of challenges in a row, like, you know, the Goggins challenge or something similar. Um, but the point is, it, it's something that you should kind of already have in your mind when you're looking for a coach, because that can make a huge difference in whether that relationship works. Um, you know, as I said earlier, it doesn't matter to me if I've done a particular race or if I've run it, I've never run a 200 miler, but it doesn't mean, you know, I can't coach you for one. Um, but it, it, if it's something, if, if you come to me and say, well, this is my goal. Okay, great. I think we're going to make a good team. And then a little while later you be like, okay, I've changed my mind. I kind of want to do this and it doesn't really fit in my wheelhouse or I don't feel comfortable with, you know, that goal. It becomes kind of a sticky situation, um, you know, because let's face it, there's always going to be a coach out there who can do something that you can't, or they can do it better than you. I have a network of coaches that I can refer out to. If someone comes to me and they're like, well, you know, this is my goal or this is my lifestyle. Um, and it's not something that 
I think I'm going to be a good fit for, I can refer them to another coach that will be a better fit. So bringing that to the table to begin with, even if it eventually means I don't sign that athlete, I refer them to someone else who's going to be a better fit. It just makes the experience for the athlete better, Mm -hmm. right? If they come into it, knowing kind of where they're, they're going. Yeah. And what time they have to commit to the program, right? Like that's, that's a huge one as well is, you know, I mean, we all have busy lives as Gordon was saying, you know, there's kids, there's the job, there's, you know, there's a million things in life. Uh, what's the reality of what does your training availability look like, you know, and, yeah. and can we make that meet the goal, right? So that's, that's a one that should be talked about up front. So coming to a coach with, you know, Hey, like, you know, I travel a lot. This is, you know, I have about maybe four days a week. Um, I can't really do much during the week, but the weekends I can do X, Y, and Z, you know, having these parameters set ahead of time and being able to communicate that with the coach kind of gives them a perception of like, what is, is it manageable? Is it something that we need to talk about the goal? So, um, you know, that's a, that's a good thing to kind of have pre-prepped as well. Gordon, do you have something else? Yeah. Well, I'm glad you said the reality piece, because I mean, that's, that's what disappointment is, right? It, it's when reality doesn't meet expectation and it's important for uh, an athlete who is looking for a coach to have that honest conversation with their coach and for coaches to not be so proud of themselves to recognize that sometimes goals change, things change in a life. You, you don't have time for what you set out to do, or, or maybe the athlete found something in themselves and they could actually do something a little bit different than what they originally talked about. Um, so you have to have those honest conversations to say, Hey, listen, you know, I, I know I came in here with this race in mind. I don't think that race is the reality. I'm thinking I'm going to go for this instead, or, Hey, I'm feeling a little bit better. Would you consider this, um, you know, maybe a little bit of a different challenge uh, and just be on the same page about that. If, if you and your coach can share the same goal, even if the goal changes, if you can share that same vision and accept that maybe um, you might have to change your plan or, or maybe it's not the right coach or whatever, if you can accept that, then I think you're going to have a very good relationship with your coach and, and the athlete too. The athlete will have a, um, a better understanding of what they need to do to get there. Yeah. I, I think um, if a coach says that communication is one of their biggest things, that is, a, you know, that's a green flag, right? We're about to talk about red flags, but that's a huge green flag is their capacity to you know, to communicate with you. And what are those? What avenues do they permit? Are there restraints, you know, when communication? So, you know, Faith and I use Training Peaks, and that's a great platform for communication. You can upload your run there, and then you can communicate back and forth through there. But what else do they say? You know, like, are do they have a call schedule? Do they care if you text them or email them? And how frequently is that allowed? You know, these are all great questions to know ahead of time so that because communication is key. It's for any athlete success. And, you know, the more you can communicate, the better, obviously. But if there's restrictions, you need to know that as well, because everybody has their boundaries and you have to respect their boundaries. And if their boundaries are too limited for you, that may be something that, you know, hey, this coach may not be the right one for me because I would like to be able to to communicate a little bit more. So things to consider. Do you have something else, Faith? Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's just, I, I wanted to say that that is a huge thing for me. Communication is a huge thing for me. Um, you know, I, I always tell prospective athletes and I remind my long-term athletes 
that their training plan is a collaboration. Yes, I know the rules, if you will, um, you know, what you should and shouldn't do, what, you know, may work best, may not work best. Um, but at the end of the day, they live in their bodies. They live in their lives. They know, um, you know, how much outside stress they have, whether it's kids, elderly parents, uh, school, work, uh, any combination there above. Um, so the best plan for, for them is one that we come up with together and that we, you know, it organically changes based on their feedback and, you know, how they're feeling both in their body and in their, in their brains. Right. So if, and, and granted, I do have a couple of athletes who do very well with, they do their plan. They're doing well with their plan. They don't communicate a whole lot. They do respond if, you know, if I ask them, Hey, how you doing? But they don't need a lot of handholding, right? They're, they're pretty self-sufficient, but by and large, I, I kind of like to, to be in close contact with, with my athletes so I can make sure they're getting what they need. Yeah. Yeah. You know, especially, you know, ask not only what are the restrictions, but how often can you expect communications? You know, some coaches like a weekly call, others like to be on training peaks, you know, X amount of times per week, maybe it's daily. So, you know, knowing these things help, you know, and, and what tools do they have for communicating? You know, is it something like training peaks in which you can communicate quite effectively? Um, so knowing what's available to you and how they plan on communicating and how often is also some really great things. Um, yeah. You guys okay if we switch over to red flags? <laughs> so, <laughs> so what would be some some red flags people should look out for when looking for a coach? What do you want? What do you think? Faith, you want to start us off here? Um, the biggest red flag for me is a coach who uses static training plans. Um, like it's okay if you create static training plans and sell them on training peaks or sell them on your website, but if someone's coming to you for personal coaching, it should be personal. It should be individualized. Um, it, you know, I've often had two athletes who are friends, one of them referred the other to me, they came aboard, they're doing the same race. And one of the question, early questions was, why doesn't my training exactly like hers if we're doing the same race? Well, that's a great question to ask. Thank you for asking it. Um, and here's why. It's because you're paying for individualized training and you were doing X amount of miles, long runs on the routine, whereas your friend was doing this. So you're not at the same level. This is why, you know, maybe you're doing your long runs together because you want to do your long runs together, but yours might be 14 miles and hers is 12 miles. And, and that's why, right? It's so that is a huge red flag, unless it's some kind of group like training plan that you're offering or um, they're buying a static training plan from you. If someone if, if someone is who's looking for a coach is talking with a, a coach or even hires that coach, and then they come to realize, hey, I'm doing like the exact same thing as so-and-so, um, I'd be asking why. Sure. Good point. How about you, Gordon? Yeah, I mean, I I actually had a number of them down here because I mean, I mean, as you saw at the um the USCA conference, I mean, there's a lot of coaches out there, right? And it's good to have that meeting and see who's in the 
who's out there in the, the I don't remember what Coop called it, the, the coach averse or whatever he called it, but um, <laughs> to see what kind of things are being promoted and pushed out there. Um, and to Faith's point, if you're selling static plans on an individualized coaching, you're selling product over people. I don't want that. People are coming to a personal coach for a personal experience. Don't try to push product. Try to sell who the person is that you feel they can become with a proper training plan, right? Um, to hit their goals. Um, a big red flag is sponsor, 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 sponsor. Um, that's a big red flag to me. If they're selling all these different products. Now, some of them probably work. Some of them work in certain situations, right? Um, but you can't sell products before you sell people, not in the personal coaching business. Um, so that, that's always a tough one on me. Um, I'll also add another one. Your coach has to have at least a simple understanding of physiology. Um, we're people, we have different parts of our body, we're all different. If your coach can't understand who you are as a person and recognize the limits of, of the training that they're putting on your body or learning to stress certain things or um, I, I come across this pretty frequently. Um, the differences between male and female bodies, right? And the different um, the different ways that that has to be uh, coached, right? If your coach can't provide even a simple understanding of physiology or has a certain X factor for certain things, um, it's going to be very difficult to to work with that coach. Right on, for sure. Um... The other thing that um, sometimes I see is um, coaches going outside their scope, um, you know, and I had one athlete actually, you know, she was shopping around and asked me, you know, if I'm injured, is that something that you can help me with? Can you help me figure out what's going on and, you know, what I should be doing? And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> and she said, no, I said, no, if, if a coach ever tells you that and they are not medically trained, then they are outside of their scope and that it should be a red flag to you. So, um, make sure what this coach is advertising is within their scope, right? Like it is within their practice, what they are qualified to do. That's a huge thing because a lot of, you know, a lot of us, we wear many hats. That's for sure. As coaches, we do a lot of things, but we have to know our boundaries. And some coaches don't understand those boundaries and go beyond them. And that can be a detriment to the athlete. So be really careful when you're shopping around for a coach that they're not trying to do too much outside of what they really should be doing. Um, the other thing too, is I always, you know, I caution people at about price point, right? There are a lot of coaches out there and there are a lot of different price points and, and it's based off of what the individual coaches needs are, but what are you getting for those dollar, right? Like, what is it that you are actually getting when it gets down to the bottom line? If you are paying top dollar for a name and there's not much coming with it, perhaps that's not the best option. Okay, so don't be taken just because it's a big name person, right? You're paying them for a really good service. And so make sure that service is worth that dollar point. So, I mean, I, I hate to say it that way, but <laughs> so that's the reality these days. Um, yeah. Go yeah. right ahead. Yeah, I wanted to add on, um, Aaron, to what you were saying about, you know, staying in your lane. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I let's face it, we, our athletes sometimes get injured, right? Mm -hmm. Through no fault of their own, roll an ankle, you know, on the trail, something like that. It's not their fault. It's not your fault. Um, and I've had that happen, right? And 
you know, well, what do I do now? Well, first of all, we need to get you to a sports medicine doc or a PT, you know, and then, so the, this one I have that I'm thinking of right now, if she listens to this, she's going to lose her. Um, but you know, she did, she did get injured. She went to her PT. Um, you know, they, they, the PT worked her through it and then sent her and myself a return to run program. And we built that into her plan. We progressed her based on the, the, you know, the key points that the PT had put in the plan. If you're, if you're feeling okay, then we can do this. If you're not feeling okay. And we got her back to running. So my, my point is, yes, you need to stay in your lane, but a coach should be willing to work with your medical team, right. To implement that return to sport plan, whether it's a PT, a doctor, sports psychologist, if you're having, you know, some, some uh, mental stress that is is taking you out of the game, you know, that coach has to be willing to work with that team to, to, to get you back to your sport. Yep. That completes that thought for sure. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that, that encompasses everything about boundaries, right? I mean, a coach needs to know um, what scope of work they do and tying that back into what Aaron said about, um, about uh, uh, coaches with big names. I mean, there's nothing wrong with an extremely talented runner getting into the coach's sphere. Um, but if they've succeeded mostly on their physiology, just because they've had past success, and that was one of the things I put here, if, if the first thing you see that the coach promotes is everything they've done in the past and been successful at, from a runner's perspective, it doesn't always mean that they'll be a good coach. Um, it's great. I'm, I'm proud of people for doing, uh, for, for having success. I, I've had a fair amount of success in, in distance running myself, but that's not my strength. I understand certain aspects of it. My management training is probably a bigger driver of my coaching um, interest beyond my own personal running success. If the first thing you see is a list of accomplishments from the running perspective, but not from their coaching values, that's probably a red flag that they may not have everything they need to be a good coach. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, they should have their, their coaching philosophy somewhere. You know, if, if they have a website that should be on there and, you know, it gives you a good kind of glimpse into what they are as a coach and what they believe as a coach, you know, so that's, that's a good starting point too, is just looking at their website or whatever it may be, their social media and kind of finding out from there. And if it's not posted, it's a good question to ask up front. You know, what are your coaching philosophies? Um, so they can expound upon that a little bit. So you understand them a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. For example, on your website, I had to go about three layers deep before I actually found your very accomplished resume. You actually did <laughs> very well for yourself, but I had to go searching for it. It was not on the front page. Yeah. So it's not my. I appreciated that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I took mine off. I don't even have mine on my website anymore. <laughs> I, I get asked, you know, like, well, have you done X, Y, and Z? Well, I, I have, yes. <laughs> but, you know, it's not the point, right? It's um, I'm here because I want to support you in, in your goal, right? So it's it's not about what I've done. It's about what you want to do. Yeah, I mean, you know, as we talked about earlier, yes, it's nice to see if the person has experienced something similar to what you're doing. It's not necessary, but, you know, it's a... Uh, it's certainly a, a piece of the pie, right? So, um, 
any other red flags you guys want to talk about? Anything you can think of? That covers it for now. Cool. Okay. Um, so next one, are there any certifications or educational background runners should uh, look for? Uh, again, Gordon, you had started to talk about, you know, having a little bit of a physiology background um, and, and Faith, you had kind of talked about USCA. So we've, we've touched on this a little bit, but um, what are your thoughts on this? If we can kind of go a little bit further and dig a little bit deeper into this, um, perhaps some of the stuff that you've done. Gordon, go ahead. Yeah, and I mean, I'll, I'll start off with this because I know Faith has helped develop some of this, and I, I normally don't like to drop product name, but USCA, when I started the USCA certification, yes, it does teach you things to help you in your coaching, but the USCA, um, the, the platforms are set up for personal growth as well. You learn an awful lot about the world of ultra running. Um, most of us are runners ourselves, right? So it teaches us a lot about how we work as much as it is to how to help other people. I think USCA is a great platform. Um, I know there are a number of other running certifications out there. I don't know if a running certification really would be a deal breaker for a coach. It's helpful to find a run certified coach. Um, but it does show that they've taken the time to put the effort into it. Um, so that, that's one of the reasons I really like USCA and um, I've actually got multiple certifications in it. Again, to, to more help myself as much as anything, but I can also pass that knowledge on to a lot of runners. So yeah. um, I think going back, another key thing is, is have you done it before? That can be helpful. Um, if whoever, I think that's where you really enter the whole informal coaching um, platform, which was have done more of in the last few years. I think you guys are a little bit more established than I am. Um, I've done a lot of running. I go to a lot of running. I go to a lot of events. Um, I've seen some carnage. I've seen what happens when people aren't trained. I've seen what happens when people are. Um, I've seen what happens when people rely too much on being just gifted instead of uh, working on strategy. Um, I've been there. I've seen a lot of it. I think if you can have a conversation with, with a coach about that, um, I think that's a good certification and that's not something that you can easily see on paper. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I think it's a good thing too, as we were just discussing is that they continue, right. To, to try to learn, what are they doing to continue to try to learn? Not necessarily gaining a certification, but what are they going and are they reading something like what, what are they into to help them, you know, continue to evolve as coaches you know all three of us were at the the ultra running conference right and uh, jason coop's coming up with his um you know mentoring program and so there's there's all these continuing ed opportunities for coaches and uh, you know are they taking advantage of those to continue to become better coaches and hear what's out there presently so those are great questions for you know for an athlete to ask is yeah you have this and when did you get that and have you done anything since or what are you doing to continue to to evolve and learn as a as an ultra running coach and it's again it's not necessarily that they have to take courses or you know it, it can be just you know, something that they're continuing to read online um, or, or do, you know, or, you know, read a magazine or whatever it may be, you know, there, but is there something they're trying to do to become better coaches? Um, Faith, what do you think here? Yeah. So um, I think that a, a, an athlete should Yes, you want to look at at the coach's website and and see what's there and see what they've done and things of that nature. But 
as you said, it really comes down to having that conversation when, you know, you're, you're speaking with a prospective coach. There are, there's coaches out there. I mean, it, and it's not just running coaches. It, it happens all the time in all kinds of different industries. So most of the certifications that you can get are online, especially since COVID, right? There's very few that are now in person. I'm not sure if USATF or RRCA has gone back to in-person um, meetings yet, but I know everything went online, right? When, when in, in the, the COVID era. When you're self-taught, if you will, and it's a self-paced program and it's an open book exam, boy, it's really easy to just pay for the certification, open up the book and take the test the next day. And I know people that have done that with whether it's USCA, RRCA, any of those. You didn't learn a thing. You just, you know, wanted the, the letters after your name. So it's really important to have those that conversation with any coach that an athlete is speaking to so that that athlete knows they that the coach knows what they're talking about. Like they didn't just get the answers out of the book and jot them down on the test and submit it and get their their certificate to hang on the wall. It's, you know, did you really learn what we're teaching? Um you know, and then also what you said is the continuing ed, you know, um, I've subscribed to Jason Coop's research, research essentials. you know, essentials. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've also started reading a lot of Nick Tiller stuff. Nick's got a lot of great stuff out there that Legendary he's skeptical he's, inquiry. Correct. And then even his, like, I'm, I'm digesting the, um, the position paper on fueling. Mm -hmm. for the single stage uh, ultra marathon a lot of great information in there um you know and i trust him because he's a skeptic <laughs> so yeah. he's you know he's not going to be swayed one way or the other right no he's looking uh, at science yep yeah yeah so so that's the bottom line like it anybody can say they have a certification and they can put that hang their shingle out and everything but at the end of the day you really need to talk to the person to see if if, if they know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And they don't, they don't even have to have a certification. Maybe they have a four-year degree in, in exercise physiology mm -hmm. or sports, you know, nutrition or sports science or something. They don't necessarily have to have that certification. They've got a four-year degree in it, mm -hmm. you know? That's so, sure. um, so at the end of the day, it, what you see on paper, on someone's website, their social media, whatever, you really need to, to get to know them as a person and see what they know, yeah. um, you know, before you make that, that decision and don't just and, go with, Oh, they have a certification from USCA or they have a certification from USATF. They must mm -hmm. be great. Maybe they're not like, you, you know, you have to, you have to talk to them. And how do they subscribe to it? Right. Like how do they subscribe right. to that? Like, you know, there's uh, the Arthur Lydiard foundation, you know, and, and are they, Lydiard fans are they going to use the pyramid to train you um are they jack daniels like you know so there are different training programs out there based on you know different certifications obviously um but what do they prescribe to so what is what is it that they want to assign you how do they want to train you what does that look like you know how are they going to build out your blocks those are good questions to ask you know and 
myself, I mean, since I have, you know, multiple of these, I can't prescribe to one of them. I, I have to, as Gordon was saying earlier, I have to look at the athlete. They're the puzzle, right? Like I'm starting to put the puzzle together and figure out what works best with them. It may be partly literature and it may be partly Jack Daniels. It may be partly, you know, Jason Coop. <laughs> so we have to figure out what's the, what's the, you know, what's the piece that's going to fit best to, uh, to make this puzzle a whole. So, um, yeah. Anything else you guys have there? Yeah, Good. I was just going to say that, I mean, this is a deeply personal sport, ultra running. It, it, it's a very personal, um, very intimate sport. And mm -hmm. this is where it helps for the athlete to come in with a goal in mind, with, with a little bit of a specific goal or an idea of what it is they want to accomplish. So when you sit down with that initial conversation, um, and presumptively you've done an intake form maybe with a coach and your coach comes to that first conversation with a little bit of an idea of what it is um, that they can offer. And you can actually start challenging that coach a little bit in that first conversation, right? And if you don't feel like they can answer that very well, or they're at least not able to say, hey, you know, I'm not certain about that, but I can look into it. Um, if your coach doesn't have that little bit of humility or did really doesn't have an answer you're happy with, um, probably not certified or capable of really helping you yeah yeah um this next question um you know and i don't do a lot of market research um as to price points and such um my price point is set pretty low and i do that because of a lot of the athletes i coach are personally people that i'm friends with and i want to make sure that i am affordable to them um, and so, you know, my price point is low, but I, I have a higher, you know, load of athletes. That's, you know, that's how I make up for the difference in having a low price point. Um, now for my price point, it's, I charge 125 a month. I have, um, a call schedule they can get on each week if they so choose. It's not mandatory. Um, I, I tell them all the time, if you have a question, you are free to text me or email me, um, and correspond. I don't have a limit to how much changes we make to the calendar. I think that should be unlimited to the person because if it's better for the athlete, then that's what should happen. Um, of course, I am a full-time coach. This is my job. And so I am different than a person that's doing this on, you know, on the side, they have limited time to do a lot of this stuff. So, you know, me being more accessible is, you know, just because this is what I do, right. This is my full-time job and I have different ideals, right? Like I, I see it differently. I've, taken my coaching from looking at what others have coached me to what I liked and what I didn't like and what I wanted to make sure that I presented and gave the athlete the best possible package. So that's where I came from. You all don't have to discuss. And if you're comfortable with talking about how much you charge a month and what you provide, that's wonderful. If you want to talk about, you know, what price points you've seen and what you get at those, take it either way that you like, but, you know, I feel free to expound on that question. However you want to go. <laughs> um, do you want to start, Faith? Sure. Now that my cat's quiet again and I can unmute. <laughs> um, so I think that, um, as you said earlier, right, you're going to see prices all across the board. I've looked at some websites and just about had a stroke when, you know, I see how much charge. I'm like, okay. Um and you know what it there's so there's a certain there's a certain level of pricing that you can do when 
you have a lot of athletes who are probably getting it paid for, right? Whether they're sponsored or, you know, something like that. And that's, that's fantastic. Um, you know, but for, for most athletes, that's not reality, right? So, um, price can be so individual for many, many reasons, right? Whether it's you're appealing to a certain market, you're trying to support yourself with, with what you're doing. Um, you know, you're, you're trying to have, um, maybe your income is, is the, your family's play money. So it's disposable income. So, you know, you can price yourself a little bit differently, but at the end of the day, I think all of us try to price ourselves by what we're the value that we provide and what we feel like we're worth um, at the end of the day, right? When you think about <clears throat> how much time you spend with each athlete and then kind of distill it down and go, well, you know, so how much am I getting paid per hour? Maybe that matters to some coaches. Maybe it doesn't matter to others. Um, you know, for, for those of us, my husband is retired. Um, you know, so my income is, is supplementary and we do use it to help pay the mortgage and whatnot. Um, you know, so at the end of the day, I kind of have to make sure that I'm getting paid, you know, a, a, a living wage, if you will. Right. It, it, so where I've set my prices, it's not only do I want to appeal to as many athletes as possible and make it affordable to them, but I also need to make it feasible for me. So when, when an athlete is shopping around, right. And they're, they're looking at that. It would be really helpful for them to keep that in mind, right? If they see one coach who's charging $400 a month and they see another coach who's charging $50 a month, well, maybe they're going to be inclined to go with the $50 a month coach because it's less expensive but what do you, you need to ask that coach, what are you getting for that 50 bucks? Right. Um, you know, and, and wonder why are they priced so low? Like it, it's, this is a whole game, right. Of, of, I get that question of a lot of new coaches. How do I set my prices? Well, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, a, a puzzle, right. Um, doing the market research, seeing what other coaches are charging, what services are they providing, what education do they have, how many coaches or how many athletes, you know, do they carry? I don't carry a, a really big roster, um, you know, it's simply because I don't want to, not because I can't, but I I don't want to. I, I like having a more intimate roster of of athletes um, that that I can give a lot of individualized attention to, even though this is basically my full-time job, I still want to make sure I have time for me. Right. So I want to keep my roster small. Um, and so I kind of had priced myself and it's funny that you bring this up because I started off very low when I started my, my business. And then within a year or two realized that was not sustainable. Right. I mean, we do have training peaks to pay for and, you know, other things to taxes and all of that stuff. So I went about raising, how am I going to raise my prices and not offend anyone and not lose, you know, part of the market, whatever. Um, so I split into a three-tiered uh, pricing plan, 
thinking that, you know, I'm going to give, you know, all my athletes, the, the, the same, um, treatment at this lower price point, that's what everyone's been paying. But now I'm going to add these other two tiers with some extra services thinking, you know, I, everyone's going to come in at that lower price point. And wouldn't, you know, the first few athletes I signed after that all came in at the higher price point wanting that. So, you know, it, it, it's all depends on what the athlete wants and what they, they, what they want to pay for, but they also have to remember that we have bills to pay too. So. Absolutely. Gordon, your thoughts? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, both of you do this full time. I, I don't, I have a, I have a day job. Um, I would like to do a full time someday. Um, I'm not there yet. Definitely looking for more athletes. So, um, <laughs> however, you know, we have to recognize the people that we coach, right? Um, most for most of them, this is a burden, right? In in terms of price, we unless we're dealing with elites. I, I don't have any elites on my roster. I, I don't know if you guys do or not. Um, unless you're dealing with elites that are being paid to do this, and it's a requirement of their job. Um, this is a burden on people. That being said, the fact that it's an extra cost for them does not mean that you have to, you know, sacrifice a piece of yourself to put that cost out there. I mean, it's a simple rule of business. At some point, there has to, it, it should make money unless somehow you're giving it away with the hope of gaining business elsewhere. Um, so I've, I've looked around a lot of price points. Um, I've looked at, uh, there's one of the presenters at the conference I looked at their website and all of the coaches they did. And I, I saw that there was kind of a median range for most of them. There were definitely some names that added a lot more, but you couldn't differentiate the services between a lot of them. Um, so as an athlete looking for a coach, I think you can kind of get, um, I think like the way you've broken it down to us is like $100, $200, $300 price point. Um, $300 I think would be on the extreme end you're an elite, you probably get some pretty good services, uh, a lot of training peaks, a lot of possible hands-on time and otherwise. Um, I, I think you'll find most of what's on the market at both the $100 price point, give or take a little bit. And you really have to look at that and say, is that is that valuable to me as an athlete, right? Um, and that's really all I wanted to add to it. I don't, I don't have a fixed price point. I, I'm still at a point where I can, I can get paid in beer sometimes. That's not a bad way to go. Um, not ideal, but I, I'll enjoy it. Um, you know, I don't have a fixed price point. I think that's roughly the, the low end. Hey, I want a training plan that works for me. Um, check in a few times a month, adjust it as necessary. Uh, maybe not a lot of hands-on time above and beyond that. There's, there's a lot of time that I give being in the field pacing. Um, for example, Riverlands this year, I worked with a runner to a point, but I wound up pacing for 50 miles. Um, you're not going to charge for that, right? I mean, well, you sh you should if you're coaching, but um, in this case, it was more of a, a friendly first hundred type of situation. I don't ask for more than that, but if you're a coach and you're offering that, absolutely, absolutely, you should get paid for your time and the services that you uh, that you put out there. So, anything else, Faith? No, I guess I do have to ask Gordon though what I owe him for pacing me at Hampshire Whale though. <laughs> but there'll be a time when i call i won't tell you when or what or how but uh, good stuff 
And, you know, um, I have to say that sometimes we're all, we're talking about looking for a coach, right? Sometimes you're going to find one organically. Um, you know, Gordon isn't my coach, but I just have to say this, that, you know, he offered to pace me for some miles, um, for a race I was doing. Um, I did not have a good race. I had some GI issues that, um, we later found out were caused by the, someone left a bottle of distilled water on her table and I was drinking it, um, which I don't advise. Um, but in any event, I, I, you know, I really didn't think I was going to get to my goal and Gordon would not let that happen. Um, he was very good about getting me to think about other things and getting me to, you know, look at this is, we're going to decide this is how we're going to finish this race. And then barring anything, you know, emergency, this is how we're going to finish it period. End of conversation. And I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> um, but my point is, you know, you never know where that connection is going to come from. So don't shut off you know, don't think that that's the only way you can find a coach is by Googling or looking at, you know, Facebook groups or whatever. You never know where that light bulb is going to come from. Yeah. And that's the next question here. Um, but go ahead, Gordon. <laughs> I was just going to say, before you sell yourself short face, you might not have had a good race. It might not have been enjoyable, but you had a successful race. So. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> good point. <laughs> um, so that, yeah, the next question is, uh, what are some resources that people can use to find coaches? You started to expound on that. So why don't you go ahead, Faith? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, social media and word of mouth has, is my gold mine, um, to be quite honest. Um, I've gotten a lot of athletes through referrals. I actually have a referral program. Um, you know, if an athlete refers a potential athlete to me and that athlete comes aboard, stays for three months, the referring athlete gets a free month of coaching. That's been hugely successful. Um, and you, the, you, if you have athletes talking about you, then you're, you, I'm, I'm not going to toot my own horn here, but you're a good coach, right? If athletes are talking about you and they're referring you out, you know, referring athletes to you that's a pretty good sign. So if you see in a Facebook group or, you know, Instagram, whatever, usually it's Facebook because you can have more of that communication in the groups, right? The back and forth communication. Um, you know, I've had athletes just refer me, my athletes refer me when they see someone looking for a coach or someone who's struggling and might benefit from having a coach, they'll drop my name in there. And the next thing I know, I don't even see that next thing I know, I'm getting an email from so-and-so, Hey, you know, your athlete. So, um, word of mouth is huge, right? You know, if, if you see someone referring a coach, you can probably bank that, that they're pretty good. Doesn't mean you're going to make that perfect connection as we discussed earlier, but it's a good place to start. Um, you know, looking at social media, um, I have had a few athletes find me through a Google search. Um, I guess my web designer did a really good job at SEO. I don't know. Um, I don't know how they, but they did. Um, I've had athletes find me through specific Facebook groups 
um, i.e. like menopause groups, hit play, not pause, things like that. Cause they, they, first of all, you already have that connection that you're in that same demographic. And if you're looking for a coach, maybe someone who's in that demographic is going to serve you well. Um, and then, as I said, organic, it, going to races, um, look around, see, you can tell usually when someone's coaching an athlete, you know, so maybe go up and talk to them, ask them if they have a business card, whatever, um, you know, races are, are a great place to network. Absolutely. Gordon, anything there? Yeah. I mean, um, all of the major run certification sites have portals or whatever. I believe the UESCA one was under um, change for a bit. I believe that's up and running um, their coaches portal. Um, I'm sure the other major um, major run certifications have one as well. Um, I know there was a, a company again at the, the um, conference who sells their platform for coaches to find athletes. Um, I don't really want to name drop or anything on here. I don't, again, but there, there are groups out there where you can search for a hold uh, for coaches and, and try to get paired up with the, the right coach for you. Um, and going back to Fitz said, displaying competency or finding people that are competent because let's be honest, just because going back to what we said before, just because someone took a coaching certification or calls themselves a coach does not always mean that they're a good coach. Go to a race, go to, um, I know there's uh, Reddit has some great platforms for ultra running and ultra marathons. Um, there are whole Facebook pages dedicated to specific races or specific running styles or run clubs. A run club is how I met a lot of people that helped coach me along. Um, there's a lot of good organic resources out there and just kind of put it out there and say, hey, I'm thinking of doing Riverlands. Who would be a competent person to talk to about this? And before you know it, you get routed around some people who, who can probably point you in the right direction or help you out themselves. Great. Thank you, guys. Um, okay. We're getting close to the end here. Um, so things runners should consider prior, prior to making their final decision on a coach. So they've, they've gone through the interview process, talked to a few different coaches. They're kind of thinking about it as the big picture, you know, which one are they going to select? Uh, what's what's some things that they should probably, you know, make a list of things to decide this is probably who's going to make the best match with me. Ideas there? Go ahead, Gordon. Yeah. Um, you're going to spend a lot of time with this person, especially if you're ultra running. Um, you're going to spend an awful lot of time with this coach. Can you make that connection with them? Um, are you comfortable with them sharing personal information with you? Um, you know, a lot of coaches do put a lot of things out there about their athletes. You want to be sure that that's something you want to share on your journey. Um, and is that something that, that you're willing to put out there and the commitment to the money and the time as well? Uh, it's hard to, if you're going to choose a coach, especially for ultra running, it's going to take months to develop the person that you think you are. Are you ready to commit that money and the time? Because if you're wrong, then you're out all of that training time, right? Um, it's not easy to just turn around and say, hey, I'm, this isn't working for me. Um, I want to back away from this. Because especially if, you're, if your goal is a race, right? You only have a certain window to attack it. So um, before choosing that coach, you want to be very careful about picking the correct one. 
because if you're wrong and by the time you start, by the time you think you should be making changes or getting to a certain point, if you're not there and can't have an honest conversation with that coach, um, you may not have time to hit your goals. That's for sure. Yep. <laughs> yes. Um, and Faith, any thoughts? Yeah. So I guess <clears throat> I'm not sure if, if I would wait until like I've interviewed a bunch of coaches to have some of these things in mind, but it's just, it it's something that I was thinking about as, as you were asking the question. Um, it's more than, first of all, Gordon's absolutely right. That personal connection has to be first period. It doesn't matter what the experience the coach has had, what, where they got their certification. Like it, if that personal connection isn't there, it's, you're going to have a rough time. Um, you know, because like you said, you're, you're, this is not a 5k, you know, um, Gordon saw some of the worst in me <laughs> during, you know, the time that we spent together at, at hamster wheel. Right. So, and, and it, so he's right. And regardless of whether you're at the race with someone, you need to be okay with sharing personal information. Sorry, I couldn't get this run done today. I was, you know, in the bathroom all day. Like you have to be okay with, with sharing that kind of stuff. Right. But it's not only that you want to make sure that you're kind of on the same page with a lot of different things. Um, and what I mean by that is, is, you know, so my personal philosophy is I don't do a lot of high mileage. I don't do it myself and I don't do it for my athletes. Um, there's lots of studies out there that are showing now that, especially for older women, you don't need that high mileage to, you know, to, to do these things, especially if you have a lot of years under your belt of, of running. Um, so it, does that philosophy mesh, right? If you're someone who wants to do a lot of high mileage and a coach you interviewed says, well, I don't really do that. That might not be a good fit. Um, you know, keto athletes, I can't coach a keto athlete. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it with, with being, you know, uh, following a, a, a keto nutrition plan. I personally, I have no idea how to coach for that because, you know, I don't, I, we know that you, it's very hard to do high intensity when you're, you know, you don't have any carbs in your body, blah, blah, blah. But there's many coaches out there who are great at, they do it themselves. They're great at coaching it. It's not me. Right. So strength training, we know how important that is. But maybe there's an athlete who's like, look, I hate it. I'm never going to do it. Um, so if you're a coach who really wants and understands the importance of having that strength training, maybe that's not a good fit, right? So there, there, it's not just about the running. It's about all the other stuff too that you want to think about when you're interviewing coaches. And I hate to use that word because it's not, it, it's a collaborative, right? It's it, I decide as well, if I'm going to take on an athlete, it's not just, are they going to hire me, but maybe I don't feel like it's a good fit. And I put the kibosh to it. Um, but so there's lots of other things be well beyond the running that an athlete wants to make sure that, that the coach checks 
those boxes, right? So if they have that list going in, or maybe they didn't have the list, but they the, the coach touched on it, so they jotted it down. Now you can look at that and see, you know, maybe there's going to be only one thing that sets one coach apart from all the rest of them. And that's going to be the deciding factor for you. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of it comes down to values, right? What are the values of both the runner and the coach? Do those values mesh well, right? Uh, Understanding each other from the get-go, you know, when a runner tells me my family comes first, like, I get that, right? Like, I totally understand that. I'm the same way. I've got two kids, right? Whereas, like, you know, there's there's coaches that I've had that don't understand that. They don't, they've never had those restraints put upon them, like to have, you know, younger kids and those responsibilities. So they don't get it when things pop up, you know? So if your values and those values match and you understand each other, right? You've had those personal life experiences. That's huge, Right. And it's not to say that that you know coaches that aren't parents are all not the right choice. They may understand those values, but there are certain coaches that certainly don't. And you know, it's just because they haven't had those experiences and don't know how to relate to them. Um, yeah. But you know, like I said, it's just understanding each other's values. So <clears throat> great stuff there, um, Gordon. You also started to talk about when you're not matched properly with a coach. And I'll start this conversation with I've been on both sides, you know, where I've I've interviewed someone and I've told them I am not the coach for you. And they said, well, how how do you know? I said, you don't sound to me like you want my style of coaching. Like th- just from our conversation, I already can see that, you know, <laughs> you don't want to take what I'm advice I'm going to give you. And they said, well, I want to try. And I said, you know, I, I tried it once and it hit, they had about a month with me and they said, you were right. <laughs> this isn't for me. And so it, it happens and that's okay. Like as a coach, I understand, like I am not going to be the right coach for every runner out there. And I've had it in the past where I've been coached and I've had to tell the coach, unfortunately, you know, hey, this is just not working for me. I'm not getting the response that I need. And I've tried to communicate that with you. And those communications have unfortunately fallen on deaf ears. I'm going to have to part ways with you. And that's a hard conversation, especially if you're in the midst of training, because as Gordon said, it's tough to pick up another coach that far into the process. Right. Like you want to pick up a coach at the beginning of your process. So but if things aren't going the way that you want them to go and you've tried to communicate that time and again and things haven't changed and you've progressively not getting the results that you want, it's probably best for you to sever your ties or to change your goal. And that's the really tough part. What do you do? Do you change your goal or do you sever your ties with the coach and try to savage what you can salvage what you can out of the training that you already have? and build upon it based on your experience or perhaps relating to another coach who can help you pick up the pieces for where you're at. Um, I've had to pick up the pieces a few times. And <laughs> that's, that's tough when people come to you and they're, they've got six weeks to a hundred miler and they're like, here's where I'm at. And I'm like, okay, we've got to wind down a little bit. Cause you obviously you're overtrained. So it, you know, asking those questions to the coach and making them understand where you're at and how you're feeling. That's huge. But it's a really tough piece, right? That's It takes a lot of maturity. It takes a lot of courage to present that to a coach and just tell them, you know, the, you're not listening and it's not going the right way. And that's hard, you know. 
Um, because I've, I've had that conversation with, you know, a coach that was coaching me and that was really, really not a fun conversation and it did not end well, unfortunately. Um, but you know, such is life, but I, well, I was much better off because I did it. I, you know, I wasn't getting injured. I wasn't overtired, you know, so it's a tough one, but that happens. Uh, any, anything to add there, you two? <laughs> yeah, I would say that, um, I think we've all had that experience, maybe not to that degree, but, you know, uh, an athlete may come to us and say, look, you know, for whatever reason, it's, it's, it's not working as a professional coach. I always take the responsibility and say, you know, you're right. We could have done something differently. You know, I'm, I'm not offended at all. Like if, you know, if you feel like you need either another coach or you want to coach yourself or whatever, um, you know, I, I, I'm sorry that, you know, it didn't work out, but if you ever need anything, I'm always here. You know, I always try to take the high road. You have to take the high road because a lot of the times it is your fault <laughs> for, you know, especially if, like you said, if someone has repeatedly, and I've been here as, as an athlete, I have to say that too. Um, you know, you've repeatedly brought something to the coach's attention and nothing happens. It, you know, it, it shouldn't get that far is my point. It shouldn't get that far. The first time it's spoken about either look, you know, I hear what you're saying, but that doesn't match with my philosophy. So I think maybe it's better if, you know, we, we part ways now and allow you the time to find another coach and, and, you know, still prepare for your race or you fix the problem. Like if it's something that's within your, your ability and it's something that you as the coach you're doing wrong, then either fix it <laughs> or, you know, it, it, it's, it's ultimately it's your responsibility. Um, so, so I think that that's something I always put out there right at the beginning. Look, guys, you know, you're, I'm happy you're coming aboard as an athlete. We're going to do some really great things together. I never, ever, ever want you to be afraid to tell me anything. I'm not going to get offended. I'm not going to get upset. Look, you're, you know, you're the driver of, of this bus. I'm the navigator. You know, I'm here to try and help you get to your goal. But the, at the end of the day, it's your journey. If it's not working for you, I want to know mm -hmm. so that we can either fix it or we can get you someone who's going to be a better match for you. Absolutely. I always tell them that right off the bat. That's, that's, I tell them that accountability is two-way street. I'm here to hold you accountable to your training and you are here to hold me accountable to my coaching. So that's, you know, that should be established sure. early on. Yep. Yep. Gordon, you have some thoughts? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the unique nature of our product, right? Um, you know, if I buy a, a sofa from Aaron, the couch salesman, right? <laughs> um, like we buy things every day, right? You and I are not sitting on that couch for four months talking about our hopes and dreams and having all these experiences. And then if I don't like the couch, I'll be like, oh, geez, you know, I, I feel bad, you know, returning it and everything and, and having that whole emotional connection, right? It's a little bit different in the coach's sphere because you, you've spent all that time building towards something, whether a race, or a fitness goal or whatever it may be, um, it can be harder for the athlete to say, hey, you know, he's supposed to be a professional. I don't know if I'm getting 
what I'm supposed to be out of it, but I also don't want to let it go because I'll feel bad, right? Um, build a business. I don't care if it's sofas or, or coaching or a brand new car. If the purchase doesn't feel, if you don't feel like you're getting what you bought into, absolutely consider getting out of it for sure. And I know that can be difficult financially. There may be a, an early quitting penalty or maybe your goal race. You might have to reevaluate your training and everything. But if it doesn't work, you can't keep it going. But you kind of answered everything to begin with and then Faith kept on with that. Um, Gotta have that conversation, um, you know, and, unless we're coaching little, little kids where you can't have that adult conversation. Um, if you were two adults entered into an agreement, you should be able to sit down and say, okay, uh, what is working? What isn't working? Can we salvage this? Um, and if not, I mean, just shake hands. Say, hey, this, this didn't work out. This relationship didn't work out. Maybe it will down the road, or, or maybe I can point you to some resources. Um, we as the coach have to accept that and take the responsibility at the end of the day. We have to try to get what's best for the athlete. Um, that's always in our responsibility. Uh, but it's also important for the athlete too to recognize that if it's not working, don't be afraid to, to separate or part ways. Right. Absolutely. Any closing thoughts? Anything that you guys want to touch on that we missed or... No, I think, um, I just, oh, sorry, Gordon, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> okay. I, I was just going to say, you know, I mean, we are out here trying to sell a product first and foremost, right? And, and going back to what I said in the opening, it's imagine a world without anyone around you to coach you or mentor you or help you in any way, right? Um, we happen to be a very specific type of help, um, but the ultra running world is growing. The running world is growing. And it's important to people to look at what they do physically and see if it's worth um, continuing on the way they do, risking injury, risking um, maybe not hitting their goals, hitting their successes. Um, so definitely, if you can, and you can float the money and you have a chance to spend at least a little bit of time with a coach, a specific coach, it's definitely worth spending your time and money on to try to try to help yourself be a little bit better than you were before. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't know about you two, but, you know, I'm a coach, but I have a coach, <laughs> um, you know, so that to me just shows, you know, the importance of having someone else helping you, someone who knows more than you, right, helping you to to reach your goals. Um, you know, it is an investment, um, but I think, and, and it's not to say that, you know, static training plans don't work because they do, right? Thousands, millions of people use them every year to finish 5Ks, marathons, 100 milers, whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, did they finish them to the best of their ability, right? Could they have been better served by having something more individual, Um you know, and, and that's the crux of it, right? Like I, I'm, none of us are ever going to get rich doing this. None of us are ever going to be able to, you know, be the perfect coach for every athlete, but we do care at the end of the day, we care. We do this because we care. We want the best for our athletes, our friends, our family, even just people that we talk to on social media that we're not, you know, actively looking to coach. We just, maybe they asked a question and we have the answer and we want to provide it because we just want to help. At the end of the day, I think that's 
most coaches philosophy is they just want to help and they want you to have the best experience you can. Great points. Thank you both. Thank you for your thoughts and sharing everything. Um, so uh, connecting with you too. Faith, what is the best way to connect with you? Uh, my website is runlongrunstrong.com. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of good stuff on there. There's ways to, to contact me there. You can also find me on Instagram at runlongrunstrongendurance. Um, those are the, probably the best two ways. Very good. Thank you. And for you, Gordon. Yeah. Um, my website's still in development, but, uh, you can reach me at, at, at trail legs running on Instagram or my Facebook page is going with Gordon. Um, kind of highlight some of my adventures as well as some of my coaching points. Great. I'll put all that in the show notes. Are you both looking for athletes as we speak? Yes. I have a few open spots for next year. Very good. And you too, Gordon? Yes, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Well, I hope some folks reach out to you too. I appreciate you guys sharing your time with me and your thoughts. Um, I will get this out and uh, man, I hope you guys have a great 2024 and uh, hopefully we'll see each other at the uh, USCA conference next year. <laughs> oh, you bet. Yeah. yeah for thanks sure. for having me on. Yeah. Once again, I want to thank the two coaches, Faith and Gordon for coming on and speaking with me about coaching. I hope you had a lot of takeaways and again, their contacts are in the show notes. Reach out to us with any questions you may have. Uh, as for myself, um, my, whatever illness I had turned into pneumonia, um, currently on antibiotics. I did a little cool down with, uh, some of my runners today could tell I'm not a hundred percent. Um, definitely going to have to take a little time to come back. Uh, it's been four weeks. So, you know, tough, tough start to my training block, which I'm going to have to kind of reassess my training. Um, I'm supposed to race the South mountains half marathon in two weeks. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's the best thing for me at this point. Um, really want to get my training going. Obviously I want to race cabin fever in February. Um, but the reality is I need to, to get back to consistency and feeling good. So that's my goal is to get back to consistency and feeling good. I hope these antibiotics kick this pneumonia. Um, it's coming out of my lungs. Um, I'm starting to be able to breathe better and not cough so much. So I'm heading the right direction and doing the right thing. So I'm getting there. Um, you know, and that's part of training, right? Is we just have to take a step back sometimes to take two steps forward. Um, uh, so the goal is still hellbender and I'm, you know, I'm trying to do what's best for me at the current time rather than rush my training and rush into racing. I'm just going to take a step back and be okay with that. So that's where I'm at with that. Um, we've got, you know, big holiday season here. So I hope you're enjoying your time with your family and your friends. I hope your training goes well. If uh, you have any questions, as I said, don't hesitate to reach out. Happy to have a conversation, talk about your training. Um, you know, and uh, I do do consults. So if you've got a training plan and you want to go through it and talk about it, we can do a Zoom call and, and look at what you got and kind of go through. Um, perhaps I have some suggestions for you as to, um, you know, some changes I might suggest, but happy to have that conversation as well. So um, I do do consultations in that regard if you do have a plan but want to talk about it. So reach out. Uh, as always, thank you guys. Thank you for being a part of the podcast, for listening, for sharing. Um, 
you know, for commenting, all of it. You guys are wonderful, and I thank you for it. Um, I hope everybody has a very happy holidays, very Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year. Um, look forward to having more episodes. I've got some really cool guests coming up, so stay tuned for some really fun episodes with some really awesome guests. Uh, really appreciate Faith and Gordon once again, and until next time, keep moving forward, my friends.